0: I want to thank everybody for tuning in. You can find us on Facebook at Rose City Native Radio. For events, music, and more, please send it all to pdxnativeradio at gmail.com. As always, we will see you next week, Indian Country.
1: of tenants is working to increase awareness in Washington County of the statewide law SB 608 that was passed in early 2019. It limits rent increases and no-cause terminations for residential leases. There's a temporary bilingual English and Spanish hotline set up for Washington County renters with questions about SB 608, rent increases, no-cause termination notices, and or lease non-renewal notices. Phone number is 503-644-3007. Again, that's the Renner's Right hotline phone number for Washington County every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. through January 30th at 503-644-3007. More information can be found at kboo.fm on the right side of the homepage under Community Events.
0: I'm right in the middle of solving that riddle known as raising the rent. I may not get there with you. But I want you to
2: know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised
3: land. I'm Shahid Hamid, KBOO board member. Join the World Arts Foundation and KBOO radio as we pay homage to the late Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. It's the 35th anniversary of Keep Alive the Dream. Monday, January 20th from 11 to 6.30 p.m. at the Highland Christian Center. This year, we will be joined by international opera star, Angela Brown, and straight from America's Got Talent, Danelle Damon. That's Monday, January 20th, from 11 to 6.30 p.m. at the Highland Christian Center at 7600 Northeast Gleason. Or listen live on KBOO Radio, or view it on Open Signal Community Television.
0: Good evening, Portland. The time is 7.02. Coming up next, Hard Knock Radio.
3: Yo, check this out. Hard Knock Radio coming at you, bringing the noise. This is Chuck, the public enemy number one, news views and hip-hop. This is
0: Sister Soldier on Hard Knock Radio. Listen closely.
3: Que pasa, raza?
2: This is Deuce Eclipse. The Oye Joaquin, yo parte chino. Check it out. Listening to Hard Knock Radio.
0: Hey, this is Patrice Russian, And whenever I'm in the Bay Area and I need good information and great radio, it's all about Hard Knock Radio. It's hard out
2: here, man. I don't even know how you survive out here this long. Sometimes I feel like giving up. Lord,
4: it's so hard
2: living
5: this life, a oh, constant struggle and every day. Some wonder why I'd rather die than to continue living this way.
2: But I'm from Southwest and every now and then I get put to the test. But I can't be stopped, cause I gotta come true. Ain't got no gun, but I got my crew Didn't come for no beef, cause I don't eat steak. I gotta play the soul food, chicken, rice, and gravy Not covered in too much, drinking a couple punch, top of cold every last Thursday of the Daddy month. Put the high grits on my chest in the morning. When I was sick, Mary had the hot soup, ball and didn't know <laughs> why. But it felt so good. Like some waffles in the morning, headed back to the woods. Now full as a tick, got some soul on blast and a cassette. Food from my brain that haven't stopped learning yet. How wings from MoJo's got my forehead sweat. Celery and blue cheese so on my menu list. From to last deal, die face bruins surround me like cancer. Drill, we were second hand off the obstacles, but only to me. matters is worse, plus I'm getting pimped by this temp And a jacket from Staff. Laughing, set up clown. Don't talk to me like that. Looking stupid, of course. Living day by day, and you ain't hard trick. Hell, you say. (laughs) It's such a blessing when my eyes get to see the sunrise. I'm ready to begin. Another chance to get further away from where I've been, but I never forget everything I went through. I appreciate this because if I had a went and took the ease away, wouldn't be the strong that I am today. Everything that I did, different things I was told, just ended up being food for my soul. Well, it' good old fashioned soul food. Alright, everything is food. Sunday morning where you eatin' at? I'm on 1365, Wichita drive over, we're a ride. Church is dropping chicken and yesterday's grief then go together with this car to Mickey's. Last night hanging over from a good time. Yeah, beef is cheaper, but it's pumped with red dye between two pieces of bread. Southern look good with them hairy legs. Wish I could color up, but my stomach come before six. A house full of, now what's the ingredients? Spaghetti plus. They know they're making it hard on the yard. Chris Daughton! Marsha Claw, taking us one week in the spotlight for a joke. Change by the day, I see it's getting bigger in my square. Bigger than Lennox from the outside with the stale. No money to go inside, Tamika and Tiffany outside. tripping and skipping rope to the beats from my cheek as I speak. What's up from the drama seat? A heap of help on the fried chicken, macaroni and cheese and collard greens. Too big for my jeans. smoke steeds from under the lid that's on the pot. Ain't never had a lot, but thankful for the little that I got. Why not me? Fast food got me for the sick. Them- they By trying to make this booth affordable I thank the Lord that my voice was recordable so, so <laughs> well, I mean. Hold up, see, it's what I write And Miss Lady acting like me in jail Said she ain't got no extra hush puppies to sell Bane can't see food Making me hit the door with a mind full of attitude It was a line at the beautiful JJ's rib shack was packed too Looking to be one of them days where mama ain't cooking Everybody's out hunting with the family looking for a little soul food. Come and get your soul food. Well then, yeah. old fashioned soul food. Alright. Everything is for free, as good as it can be. Come and get some soul food. Come and get your soul food. And soul food. All right. Everything is for free as good
5: as it can be Hard Knock Radio hanging out with you this afternoon. on the phone line with us, and you just heard his voice on the song we just rocked. we're talking about one of the pioneers. One of the legendary icons from the Dirty South, from the ATL. We're talking about Kujo Goody, or Cujo Gun Club Goody, from Hello. the one and only Goody Mob. How you doing, brother? Man,
3: I'm good, Davey. How you doing, big brother? Thanks for having me, man. Real little man.
5: You know, you are also an author. You know, many of us know us for the work you do as, a, as an artist, with Goody Mob, with the Lumberjacks. But I didn't realize you had written a book, so yeah. you know, uh, yeah, you've been kind of keeping that on the tuck, man. Let's talk a little bit about that because um, I think it's worth reading, and you also kind of lay out how the South was won, at least when we're talking about hip hop. So let's let's jump into that a little bit.
3: Yeah, man, I have um, wrote a book. It's called Straight Out the um, Straight Out the A, and I think that was maybe in 2008 or 2012 but um, interesting interesting to know about it is you can only say so much when you're rapping or you're doing music so I just felt like man I just wanted to let my fans in on some some other intricate details about you know what I'm saying about me about my life you know how I came up and some of the things that influenced me and you know what I'm saying some of my ups and some of my downs and you know I just I just put the book out there I didn't really do a lot of promotion on it but you know, hindsight 2020, man, is it's, it's, it's very, it makes me very happy, man, that people will really be interested now and to just read about, you know, just read about me, man. It's just, it, it's still amazing. There's a lot of other interesting people out here, man, that, that's done a lot of things, man, but, you know, just for people to want to, you know, read a book about me, man, about my life, you know, how I came up, you know, in a one-parent household, let, you know, let brothers know that would let the youth know that you still can do it. You know, if you're coming up in a one pair of household, man, you know, still strive to, you know, to, to be the best. And um, you know, that that was just a token, man, for my fans, man.
5: Well what I like about it is that it's very personal, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think the interest is now because if you did this in two thousand and twelve, right, right I think people are now at a point where they're really like, let's go back and look at what really happened in mm-hmm. those early days. And you uh-huh. captured a lot of those moments. So, you know, and, and, you know, just recently there was the hip-hop evolution thing that talked about, you know, uh-huh. what happened with Atlanta. Uh, but it's good to hear it from your point of view because you're talking about, you know, go all the way back to high school and beyond. Mm-hmm. So, right, so, right, so, f- right. so for people who don't know, Let's give a little, you know, uh, ATL hip hop history one on one if we can, because uh, there is a lot of interest. And you know, I know we could do a whole three hours on that, but you know, let us walk through some of the highlights that you think are really crucial in understanding what made the the South become like the hotspot for music.
3: Man, I'm a you know, Dave and I and I love telling this story, man, because it's it's the origin of how. I met hip-hop you know what I mean and this had to be in maybe 84 85 something like this we just was doing middle school and down in the south you know we was used to hearing you know um, bass music from Luke uh, you know Texas already had their, their foundation Tennessee already had their foundation so it seems like everybody had their foundation besides Atlanta Georgia So, uh, to make a long story short, man, um, I looked up to the pioneers of of hip-hop, especially in New York, like Curtis Blow, uh, Fat Boys, uh, Houdini. Um, They came to my school, because Curtis Blow came to my school when he was putting out, uh, we're playing basketball, you know what I'm saying? But I don't think I had ever heard that song on the radio. Or heard it before until he came to my school and did that. To this day I don't even think he I have had a chance to even tell him about that. Wow. But back but back then, man, you had movies like Beach Street, I mean Breaking. I mean, once once I I could tell you about once this particular school that I went to seen that particular movie, the next day everybody came to school with Kangos on, gazelles, <laughs> I mean Adidas man, with no shoelaces in it, man. And we really got into Break dancing and graffiti. I'm talking about all the elements of hip hop was down in the South, man. So once I got a taste of that, man, I, um, I asked along with uh, uh, other people that was in, in coming out in in that year in school, man. You know, I was bit by the hip hop bug, man, and, and wanted to. I wanted to DJ at first because I loved the way, you know, Eric B was doing that Chinese arithmetic. I was like, man, how is he doing that, man? With the how's he doing it? How is he making the turntable do that? So that's what I started. I wanted to do with Scratch. But once I heard once I heard a song come on the radio by Ice Cube, I think it was the Nappy Dugout came out on the radio, v 103 mm. I was like, man, I, I want to rap now, man. I want to rap. I, I want to write lyrics. And I, and I think, like I said, I think the whole South had seen that movie, man, and everybody had got bit by the hip-hop book and wanted to... Make their um make their stand in hip hop, man, and, and I think that's how it's, it's at least coming from the Dungeon Family era because th- definitely there were others that hadn't quite yet broke that ceiling yet, like the Hard Boys and Ghetto Mafia and Damage and a lot of underground Kilo, you know what I mean, Sammy Sam and 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 Mojo, but it just so happened that you know you had a record label like the face just in the right place at the right time and L.A. Reed just happened to be a, a, a musician and a writer also so he understood what it was for Atlanta, Georgia to have a presence, man. Let me
5: let me ask you this, Cujo. We're talking with Cujo from the Goody Mob if you're just tuning in. Mm-hmm. um, One of the interesting things about the South and let me just preface this, you know, coming from New York and moving out to Cali, right? Mm-hmm. We grew up in New York with no music programs. We didn't know how to play an instrument. We knew how to maybe bang on a table, and that was about it. And when I moved out to the West Coast, I noticed that everybody knew how to play an instrument. They was into this funk, right? And so, you know, E-40 was in a band, Kyrie was in a band, you know, Two Shorts in a band. Everybody's in a band. And the the, the lick about the South was like, oh, they them just some country cats. And then it was like, yeah, but everybody goes to the South, to their country, to see their family, because everybody has family in the South. But it seemed like now, after a while, everybody wanted to catch that Southern flavor, not the hip-hop flavor, but what existed before the South. And this is where I was getting at. It seems like you all in the Dungeon family brought a certain type of musicianship into the fold. And so what I was curious from you... What was happening in Atlanta before hip hop? What was the scene like? What do you remember? And did you all dip back into that past and incorporate it into the hip hop? Because that's what I think really at least Goody Mob, that's what made you all be like, Man, what the hell is what Outkast outcasting them, man? They got they got a different flavor going.
3: Mm. Man, you know what? I, I, I gotta credit that to organized noise, man, because those brothers, Sleepy Brown, Rico Wayne. Uh, Ray Murray, uh, Reuben Bailey, man, those guys were almost like musical historians, man. Because one day I went with Rico and and, and Ray to um, they were shopping for records, so they went to this to this house in Decatur. It was dark, so I didn't know where the hell it was at. We went into this house, and this guy just had records stacked and shelves all in his in his house. I mean he had a sofa in the kitchen but it was mostly his walls with shelves with records and he had this little bitty look like a little child um record player white you know the little um uh fisher price like a fisher price turntable right right and the guys were actually listening to some of the music that they was buying from him on that one little turntable so i was like man it, it's it, it's about the ear, man. Because this man didn't have a 1200 or nothing digital. This was still analog. But what I'm saying is that organized noise, man, they were they were master. Um, how could I say it? When they see a sample, they can play the sample with real with real music.
5: And oh, so you all would they would get the music and then play it back?
3: Wow. They, and put a, a different they would put a different spin on it so it would actually be theirs. And we recorded in Curtis Mayfield studio before like songs like uh didn't even come out. Well, Big Boy had it on his one of his albums called Hold On. We recorded, man, about five songs, man, about four, five, six minute longs in in Curtis Mayfield studio. So before before that, the hip hop scene, man, the brothers were sampling people like James Brown, you know what I mean? I mean, Ray was for James Brown like all the time. It's like, dog, man, you ain't gonna sample nothing else. I mean, you can't sample nothing else, but he grew to, man, be able to pull sounds out of music and make other sounds come in front of the music where they was really EQing sounds and really, really getting into the intricate, intricate process. Of uh, producing music man so I think with that being said that Atlanta, Georgia's um, um, you know their, their thing in the hip hop music was playing live instruments from the greats being able to mimic that but still twist it and turn it and make it their own you know what I mean so when you listen to Players Ball and Southern Player Listic man that was live music
5: Wow, And you would think it's a sample, but it wasn't.
3: That's live music, man.
5: (laughs) So let me ask you this, you know, with yourself as a writer, and you know, you talk about it both in your book and just in other interviews, like you feel it's crucially important to be like in step with the people. So as a writer, how does that get reflected, you know, being in step with the community?
3: Well, the thing about it is, man, you can't you can't turn a blind eye on what's going on in your community. I mean, okay, yeah, you might be making some money. You might even got a couple meals in the bank. But you still can't flex and flaunt in front of your people. You got to be able to relate to your people. And I think that's what soul food was. Everybody could relate to having a good home-cooked meal. And everybody could relate to the origin of soul food that, that came from the South. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, I just think that being relatable, man, and not turning a, a, a deaf ear on what your people go through, man, that that entails, that, that makes your longevity better, man. Because, I mean, I still walk out of my house, I forget who I am because I'm a husband, father, a brother, and all that. And then I'm Kujo. But then a person might say, Hey man, I was ten years old when I heard y'all music and now I understand what you guys were talking about back then. Now referring to the, the cell therapy song.
5: Mm. Yeah, that's right. I forget, man, there's so many songs that y'all did, you know, like you actually forget. And neither classic albums. Uh, out of all the songs you did, you know, that you've been a part of, and I mean, you've been on all the Outkast albums and everything. What's your favorite? If you had to be like, man, Cujo, man, pick a song that kind of defines you, what would that be? Wow,
3: man. You know what? You're right. There, there are a few, but I have to go with Mainstream on the ATL album. Mm. And- really the reason why I would say that is because I had a friend that was going through something and and my friend kind of like vented to me and I kind of felt the pain almost enough to where it inspired me to write something about it. Mm. So that's that's how that verse came about, the mainstream verse. So I would definitely say that. And one more, I would say reset because after I had my leg amputated, that was one of the first Songs that I was able to record, it thank on you.
5: You know, going back to that, with your leg being amputated, you also became kind of iconic for a lot of people who, you know, who have been in hip-hop but dealing with disabilities um, because you managed to persevere and, and deal with that. How were you able to make that adjustment from the car accident, losing your leg, and you know, and then having to operate because you know a lot of people don't know you. You were, you wanted to be an athlete. You were pretty good, football, right. baseball, the whole nine. So, how were you able to mentally make that adjustment and deal with, you know, um, having a disability the way that you are, that you have?
3: Well, you know, at that time I didn't, I didn't realize that, you know, maybe that was a good thing. You know, that the Most High had allowed to happen because. I come to realize that there are no accidents man everything happens for a reason there isn't any accidents so but at that time i had to rely on my family my uh, my mama my brother fans you no know, my son at that time i think he might have been oh man maybe it's, maybe four or five he's like that i'll be i'm gonna be your leg for you so it, it was just like little bits and pieces of motivation like that that kind of kept me going because w- without that, man, you know, you would definitely fall into a depression, man, to be like, why me and this and that. Then you look up, man, two and three years, be you know, went by. So I just figured it out, man, just use the, use, you know, what I got going on and continue to, you know, continue to strive and continue to be the best that I can be. And plus with hip hop, I think hip hop accept misfits like that. You know what I mean? Mm. There's a, a lot of misfits in hip hop as far as on the outer, on the outer layer where you can see, but in deep inside, man, there's some intelligent human beings, man.
5: Absolutely. So, you know, and so you dealing with the disabilities and, you know, obviously You've been, you know, been uh, thriving, you know, able to do that. The other thing, too, you know, um, is you also ran into a very interesting and very disturbing problem um, with the courts um, where you had to do like 50 days in jail. And I want to know if you can talk about that. We've done shows with Keek the Sneak and a couple of others who, first of all, were being sent to jail while they had disabilities. So that in itself was crazy. Like, you know, like, how are you going to do that? And you got caught up not just in having to go to jail, but you got caught up in, I think, what is an all-too-common occurrence uh, where they just put somebody's name on a piece of paper and had your paperwork messed up, and you're the one that wound up getting popped. And I bring this up because we just seen this happen with Eric B., who you just mentioned. You know, he's 20 years, you know removed from a situation he's a iconic you know record executive doing all kind of stuff and he goes he goes somewhere they go hey man we got a warrant for your arrest from 20 years ago and same thing with you you know you know like 20 years 25 years later they they, talking about the paperwork says that you you got to go to jail so let's talk a little bit about that and how you dealt with that because I think at this point in time, mass incarceration is a serious issue, and we any one of us can get caught up.
3: That's right, man. Well, you know, you know when when you're coming up in a one parent household and you don't have a father in the house to do a lot of that discipline, man. And you know, a, a kid will definitely definitely go the the wrong way. You know what I mean? If that that stern hand I put down on him. So at a at an early age, man, I was doing all that type of stuff, man, running out of liquor Stole. Uh, man, that was just really mainly the thing that we was doing down here in the South, man. And it just, I don't know what it was. It was just a thrill-seeking thing. But this last situation was, well, you know, I had, I sold like, I sold like a, a 20 to a brother. And he happened to be sitting next to an undercover. And it was the lady. Mm. And once I pulled out, matter of fact, I pulled out from there and I was on the way to the studio to on you. So I'm down at the studio and my son's calling me and telling me, Daddy, the police is at the door. I'm like, what? For real? It's like, yeah, they out here with dogs and everything. So I finally made it back to the house, but they were gone, but they came back the next day to get me. So I had been going through the court for a whole year back and forth with that particular case so they got to the last month of the year where they finally decided okay we're just going to go ahead on and lock you up and um i was actually supposed to be doing i think maybe two to five years and that. So i got a um a bond here but was able to get out but you know the thing about it especially when you got stuff you've already you know paid your, your debt to society and you know, they still got stuff on the records that hadn't been updated, or you just looked like somebody. You know what I'm saying? That's just the, the affliction that we go through when we in this land in America. I remember when we was going to Spain, and I had a, um, I had a piece of paper that allowed me to travel, because I was on probation, travel from to country to country, and they held me up, and they said that I had a silencer on me. That was like, what you do with the silencer? Why you had a silencer? I was like, silencer. You got the wrong person. That's not me. <laughs> like, like I'm not making this up. She's like, "Well, what are you? What, why were you had a silence?" I mean, just asking me that type of stuff. I'm like, "Man, I mean, do we all look alike that much? Where it's just you don't care?" Because I don't. I don't think she even cared about what I looked like. She was just throwing something on me. So, but like I said, it's 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 that affliction that we go through in America, and I think it's for a reason, just to let us know you know who our real who our family is our real people are at the end of the day
5: right and what i was surprised about is that everybody dropped you know the case once they realized it was a mistake but the the, the district attorney where you were at man he was determined mm-hmm. like to 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 carry this out even though everybody yeah. else is like nah and so that that's what was that's what really caught me i was like damn like people will will make it a a point You know, like some of these DAs will go after you even when, you know, it's clear that the sky is blue.
3: (laughs) Right, man. That's me, man. He wanted to make an example out of me, man. He didn't dare. matter of fact, I had a lot of support. And that's one thing that some of the brothers don't have when they get incarcerated and go before a judge. They don't have that, that support system, man. A family, kids, you know, friends. I had the big boy... I had guilt, man. I had it, man mo big for me, and my brother, man. They came to support, and that made it look like, okay, well, let's get his brother another chance. And that day, I got a bun, but that district attorney, man, he was hard, man. He wanted to make an example out of me. He didn't really care.
5: Yeah, and so what would be the advice to people that are listening? You know, the other thing is that um, you took a plea deal even though you were innocent. So that, that in itself just shows you how hard it is. It's like, hey, man, we can give you 30, or we can give you five. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't mean to laugh like that, but that's usually how it goes when you go to court. And, you know, and a lot of people are just like, you know what, I'll just take the five rather than, right. you know, fight it.
3: That's right, man. I mean, the last day, and I'm not expecting that, and I'm thinking, I'm like, damn, well, they, they let it go this long. Maybe I get another chance. But no, I'm talking about the lawyer and the district attorney walked out and started talking. So I'm like, okay, maybe they're going, you know, maybe it's going to be something in my favor. But it was like, no, either you take five or you take 10. I was like, whoa. I was like, shit, I ain't got no choice but to give me the five. Oh, yeah, no choice. But it turned out good for me. It was a learned experience, man. I was in the amputee in, in, in the county jail. Um. It was. I mean, the most high looked out for me, man. I ain't had no issues, no problems. I mean, it was, it was, it was okay, man. It was a learning experience for me, and that's why I was there to learn and not do the the same stupid stuff that I did to get in there.
5: Real talk. You know how how has that been reflected in your music? You know, do, do you do does that inform what you write about and the new projects you undertake?
3: Well, um, the thing about that is, is everything is a learning a learning, um, a learning, situation, man. So I definitely include that in, in my songs because a lot of people want to know, man, you know, what's up with you now? That's why I did the song West Asian because it's just a little slang for saying what's happening or how you been. You know, and I just enlighten people on what I've been, what I'm doing now because it could have been worse, man, a long time ago. I didn't, even, I didn't see this coming, you know what I mean? I wanted to stop rapping. I didn't have the The inspiration wasn't there. I mean, writers blocked. I mean, you know, all that depression. So, you know, it just came through a lot, man, just to be where I'm at the day of 2019.
5: Real talk, when we're going to play that new song, is, it, is there going to be an album coming out of this as well?
3: It is going to be an album. What I'm going to do is, <laughs> is I'm, going to release, I'm going to release some singles. And kinda of get everybody kind of, you know what I'm saying, wet with the new music. And then I'll release the, the album with the artwork and, and, and wax and all that good stuff, man.
5: And we also want to encourage people to check out your book straight out of the A. Uh the yeah. H- and and that's a good book. Um it's still up there on Amazon and uh it's it's a good read. Cool Joe from the Goody Mob, thank you so much for hanging out with us on Hard Knock Radio. And uh, we will be talking to you soon.
3: Appreciate that
5: legend. We're gonna take a break.
2: We'll be right back. Me, me, see, see, me, see, see, I'm beautiful, I'm beautiful. When ancient, when ancient, paper, no cake, when ancient, can't get complacent, stacking, to the still in no vacation, when ancient, when come up, paper, over okay, k West Asian can't take a place? Come on, stacking deals. deals to live on What West Asian, was shaking. Same different toilet, just tucking big faces. I used to catch cases, no high-speed chases. Waiting for my time to blow to bring home that bacon. My passion's growing thin like that ball spot in your head. Always trying to cope, even though I see red. Get to that bread, lazy bomb, tell me what's your excuse? I'm coming for that bag, mag. Jack on the loose From the caboose to the engine Had to
6: crawl my way back Back Came a long way from ducking to dropping It's
2: the funny stand. how money Going changes situations Miscommunication leads to complications
6: Bienvenidos a Radio Prensa Pobre Welcome to Poor People's Revolutionary Radio From the streets to the bus shelter This is your co-host, Monteado Silencio Con Voz de Migrantes en Resistencia In studio today with Poverty Scala, Popoy Co-host, Mi carnal Tiny
4: if you had testified in court today, in your own words,
6: what would you have told the judge?
0: I would share my story. I would talk about the programs that are put in place to help that don't help. I would tell the court about all of the applications that I filled out, the application fees, the credit check fees that led nowhere. I would talk about how violent homelessness
7: is with two small children, and I would encourage the court to consider that and making a decision.
6: You just heard Dominique Walker, one of the first moms for housing, speaking at the Alameda Superior Court following a hearing about the rife of possession of another stolen home in Oakland. And today's segment of Poor People's Revolutionary Radio we will hear voices from the press conference following the hearing of this powerful Black Mama-led movement to take back yet another home stolen from the people. And finally, a closing message from the poverty scholar of the end of another colonized year of anti-poor people hate. In the beginning of the colonial liberation year of self-determination, the first voice you will hear is the attorney for ACE, the organization that is working with Mons for Housing to launch this resistance.
1: My name is Leah
3: Simon Weisberg. I'm the legal director for the Alliance of Californians for Community Empowerment also known as ACE here in Oakland. We just
1: came out of the hearing. And I think what's most relevant is that the court definitely engaged in
3: the argument of whether the moms have a right to possession based on
4: the need that has been created because of the huge housing crisis. And the court took it under submission, which is really significant. The court could have ruled
1: from the bench, but instead has taken it into consideration. So for us, that creates a lot of
0: hopefulness in terms of his
6: future decision. The next voice you will hear is Misty Croft, one of the co-founders of Monster Housing.
0: We are a hardworking
7: hard-working and all of us hold, like, three jobs just to make ends meet. So that's what I would tell the ones that think that this is a lazy tactic. This is a tactic that had to be done. We as mothers took a stand, and we had enough. So that's what I would tell those.
0: The next voice you will hear is Patty Wall with the Homeless Action Center right here in Hippocrisy, Berkeley, speaking at the Moms for Housing Action on the impossible situation of being houseless as a mama in this occupied land, the experience that this poverty scholar and my mama had my whole childhood.
7: In 2018, there were 12,000 homeless people countywide and 1,200 of those people got into housing. 12,000 homeless people, most of whom live in Oakland, and 1,200 of them got into housing. In 2019, those numbers are even worse. In 2018, the 1,200 we got into housing were replaced by 2,500 brand new, freshly minted homeless people. So while we housed 1,200, we created 2,500 more. In 2019, it looks a little bit worse, and we're gonna house probably a little less than 1,500 of the 12,000 homeless people, and we will have created about 3,000 brand new homeless people in calendar year 2019. So that system is never gonna address the kind of deep need for housing that exists in Oakland and Berkeley. I could speculate about what all of the solutions are, but we need all of the solutions at once. We need what the moms are doing on a much broader scale. We need an
1: investment
7: in actual housing. There's an enormous amount of money that comes to Alameda County from the federal government. I think it's 33 or $35 million a year, and that's just maintenance of effort. That's not new housing. Oakland and Berkeley didn't actually produce any new units of deeply affordable housing in the last report about their housing, their five-year housing plan. So without creating deeply affordable units, units where somebody who makes $15 an hour can live, we're just gonna see the 3,000 new homeless people and the 1,500 who get into housing. And then next year on that trajectory, we're gonna see maybe 4,500 new homeless people and the same lesser amount getting into housing. So this is really important to me. I'm so heartened by what you're doing. I can't even tell you. And I hope that it gets somebody's attention so that people realize that this isn't a joke. There's a terrible undercount of homeless women and children and the official counts every two years. Women and children are undercounted Pretty critically, and that's because they're less visible. And so, in the last homeless count, they said that there were 400 homeless families. I feel like I personally know 400 (coughs) homeless families. (laughs) And I think that's because people are worried about being visible and being counted, and for the criminal consequences of that, and for CPS being called, and for all of the other reasons that women and children have to hang back and maybe not access the same visible position that other people do. So I'm so glad you're doing this, and I'm happy to help. Thank you. My name is
4: Peter Dreyer. I'm the chair of the Urban and Environmental Policy Department at Occidental College in Los Angeles. I'm the invisible expert witness that the uh, judge didn't allow to testify today, but the attorneys asked me to say a few words about what I had intended to say if the judge had allowed me to do so. Oakland has one of the worst housing crises in the country. One example of that is something called the housing wage, which is how much a family needs to make in order to afford the average apartment in a city or a county. In the United States, the housing wage is about $23 an hour, which is about four times the minimum wage. In Oakland, The housing wage is $40 an hour. So if you don't make $40 an hour, you cannot afford to live in the typical apartment here in Oakland. Now, some people would say that's a tragedy. Some people would say that that is an unfortunate situation, which has led to the problems that the moms have faced. But in fact, it's not simply a matter of the invisible marketplace operating efficiently or inefficiently, there are people who make large profits on the disadvantages of other people and use speculation, meaning anticipating short-term market changes and then trying to take advantage of them for a quick buck, for a short profit, and then to move on. Oakland, has been raped by speculators it has been the center of wall street and other private equity and lenders coming into the city scooping up they're called bottom feeders scooping up foreclosed buildings foreclosed single-family homes where people used to own their own homes who were taken advantage of by predatory lenders, then pushed out through foreclosure, and then buying up, scooping up those foreclosed homes and holding on to them. The attorney for the plaintiff today said that that building has been emptied for on Magnolia Street for two years. Two years. There are people on the streets of Oakland who need places to live, and yet there are many buildings that are vacant. The city did a study earlier this year that found out that the number of homeless people in Oakland has more than doubled since 2015. There are over 4,000 homeless people in Oakland. Nationally, there are about a little more than a half a million homeless people. Half of all the homeless, unsheltered people in the country live in California. And uh, of all the homeless people in the United States, about two-thirds, 65%, live in shelters. And about 35% live on the street. It's the reverse in Oakland. 78% of the homeless in Oakland live on the street, live in parks, live in vacant buildings, live in cars, live in vans, and live in tents. So this is not a situation that is inevitable. And So the final point I want to make is that the, the predatory, speculative companies like Wedgwood, that owns this building are making big profits by treating Oakland like it's a monopoly board. And if you don't believe me, if you go to the Wedgwood offices in Redondo Beach, California, in Southern California, there is a big monopoly board on the wall. They take pride in that business model. In fact, they pride themselves on what they call fix and flip. They call themselves the biggest fix and flipper speculative company in the country.
0: So much love to all the Moms for Housing from Poor Magazine and Homefulness Mamas. And shout out to all the special work that the People's Community Medics and Momi Palabras and so many more have been doing to stand with these moms all the way. For more information on Moms for Housing, go to
6: momsforhousing.org.au or find him on Facebook or Twitter. To see PNN full coverage, go to Port News Network on YouTube.
2: When I was young, me and my mama had beef, 17 years old, kicked out on the streets. Though back at the time, I never thought I'd see a face. Ain't a woman alive that could take my mama's place. Spend it from school, I'm scared to go home. I was a fool with the big boys breaking all the rules. Said tears with my baby sister. Over the years, we was poor than other little kids. And even though we had different daddies The same drama when things went wrong We blame mama I reminisce on the stress I caused It was hell Hugging on my mama from a jail cell
6: Up next, a decolonial message from another colonizer year of anti-poor people hate from Poverty Scholar
0: After a year of colonial hate in this anti-poor people state here's a message of all for us to liberate, self-determine, and change. A story for mama, dedicated to my houseless mama, moms for housing, and mama earth. For us that home, there'd be no us. Sometimes it was just a hand, downturned eyes with extra charity gravy piled on bigger than the stuffing as a side. I would look up and Mama's eyes were searching, searching for more than food. Mama's eyes were searching for love, from people who never held her as a child, no matter what her mood. Love she never got. Her Mama leaving her in random orphanages, foster homes, the street, telling her good luck, hope we never meet. Mama was searching for love in that must dinner line food servers searching for redemption in their wealth-hoarded capitalism's eyes. People were hungry, but like Mama Teresa said, a hunger of the soul, long ago stolen by colonial lies that humans and Mama Earth should be bought and sold for poisons like drugs and alcohol. Long ago lost to the myth of extraction, accumulation, useless things purchased, people and lives taught and told bought and sold no you aren't saving me please step aside nice church people not really looking at our lives me and mama hungry a lonely lost in homelessness and poverty because of your role in wealth hoarding land stealing colonial genocide the worst part is you lonely too because this capitalist miss bull ain't good for anyone us or you isolation nation culture ripped into gentrification papers thousands on streets and others behind prison walls while some collect billions and others walk like zombies through shopping malls so many of us caught in the lie we can buy ourselves out of this pain with more hoarding more dollars more bloody paper stains yeah this poverty scholar message for the colonial new year goes out to my fellow poverty scholars hiding under wet blankets under bus shelters inside of lean-to tents and behind prison walls. This colonial message for a liberation nation, a liberation new year that's not rooted in colonial numbers and colonial accumulation and fear. It's a capitalist story, a carol if you will, From one who has a roof now but whose heart is so close to the street I can barely sleep. Eternally cold from those days deep down in my soul. This crapitalismous story begins the day all the crapitalismous lies ended for Mama and me. The day she could no longer keep up the lie that she was okay. That we were even close to being free. The day we lost our roof and ended up begging for some help from some people who pretended never to see. It was the first capitalist mess outside for Mama and me. We walked silently from food line to food line, people not seeing us at all, or eyes filled with scorn, and no matter what we did, we could never get warm. The days seemed to last so long, blankets were got and immediately became wet was towed and so no car to sleep in. In the end, we just held on to each other for dear life. In all this pain, my mama would talk and talk and talk about what her life was and what went wrong. She told me she would die without me, asked me if we would be okay. We talked about dreams of interdependence, indigenous sovereignty, and there must be another way. We say, we stay outside of vacant, gated land, a mama and daughter alone, lonelier than mere colonial words can describe, and began the whisper that took 527 years, 22 years to realize it was in this time more worse than I can speak that two houseless women, a mama and a daughter, dreamt, a mama and a daughter, dreamed the medicine that we all need Homefulness will call it mama and we will be together and then mama only then we'll be okay so please housed humans stop counting hand-wringing writing weird saving and charity shaming stories listen to us stand with us radically redistribute and stop talking about us without us because our self-determined answer is right in front of your eyes Moms for housing. First they came for the homeless. Poor people's army and homefulness. Release the lie of wealth hoarding, home stealing and you know better than us. Mama taught me so much. Lessons of pain and sorrow and so much loss. No books can ever teach today or tomorrow. Poverty scholarship we call it and it ain't filled with sorrow. But the biggest lesson of all is that don't believe the lie of separation ever because alone we are nothing.
6: In 2020, we are resisting this well hoarding and land stealing and lifting up, living and walking homefulness, a homeless people solution to homelessness. Join the homefulness movement to take back all this hoarded, gated and stolen land as a part to reclaim the legacy of Martin Luther King. As we do a de-gentrification Land Liberation Tour at Black Arthur, launching at Homefulness, on Saturday, January 18, at 12 noon, located at 8032 Black Arthur MacArthur Boulevard, Deep East Oakland, A.K.A. Occupy lonely land For more information of this tour, go to co-sponsor find degentrification Tour of Black Arthur on Facebook, or go to www.pornmagazine.org/calendar.
2: It's funny how money changes situation. Miscommunication
6: leads to complications. So that's all for this segment of Poor News Network. If you want to hear any of our poor people's revolutionary radio, you can subscribe to Poor Magazine and SoundCloud channel. Or find and subscribe to Poor News Network on YouTube. Thanks to Anita Johnson, David D, and Anthony Fest for the media access. And now you powerful listeners. All power to the people. Come
2: your talk turn cold Gain the whole world for the price of your soul Trying to grab hold of what you can't control Now you walk lost, with a sight to behold Wisdom is better than silver and gold I was hopeless, now I'm on hold. Hard knock, turn the speakers in your car up Quality program, turn in for the real talk Don't stop, EMN at it again Sam and daddy man, Chris Juwan Kim Simulating ill conversation, anything else? Just imitation, simulation, step into the zone, the Bay Area zone. Hard knock radio, let's go. Big shot to need and Davey D. Yeah, right, feel me. Yeah. On and down at Hard Knock Radio. Hard knock radio. Kinda crazy though. Oakland uh, stand up. Yeah. Stand up Ensemble Big Now Wolves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bellview. Real Talk Radio. You and I rocking with the best in the West. Yes, Coast, Monday through Friday. Sing it, Chris. East Coast.
4: historian, is an outspoken advocate for LGBTQ rights and for the rights of all marginalized people in the world. She's a dynamic public speaker. In 2017, Blair came out on national television as a queer Muslim woman. Her new book is Making Our Way Home, The Great Migration and the Black American Dream. Her book is a powerful illustrated history of the six million black Americans who left the South between 1910 and 1970 and had such a huge creative impact on American culture. Davy D. will be talking with her Wednesday evening, January 15th, starting at 7.30 at St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Oakland, 114 Montecito Avenue. There's wheelchair access. Tickets available at brownpapertickets.com and Marcus Books, as well as other indie bookshops in the East Bay. KPFA, KPFB, Berkeley 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, 97.5 k 248 APR in Santa Cruz and online at kpfa.org.